so the second big question that we have to ask next year from ourselves is what is the identity of of Lohimir's version is it is it war film is it, is it an upgrade from Wahlberg or does it find its own special place between these two films laitetaan levy pyörimään vals triste Niet bonnie mai Soittopelit on kyllä mukavia. Go ahead, Sack. Go ahead, me. Oh, God. <laughs> or I can do it as well, you know, as you wish. Um, yeah, I completely forgot. Was... Yeah, welcome to I the completely... culture, man. <laughs> or Henry. I forgot I was leading this. <laughs> no, this, I this, totally this is going to be your every year from this on, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, Holy I have some shit. shit written. I can also go with it, as no. you wish. No, here we go. Welcome to the Flick Lab. I'm Zach. I'm an American living in Boston. And joining me are two Finns to discuss in a fantastic Finnish film, Kari. Hey, I'm a fantastic Finnish film. <laughs> and Henrik. <laughs> and Henrik I, I, I've well. seen Kari, and he's a fantastic Finnish film. <laughs> mm. Where are you from, Henrik, this week? <laughs> God damn it. Oh, I'm I'm from. Helsinki. Oh, oh to, be, to be absolutely honest, this week I'm I'm from Helsinki. Ooh, starting slangy. I'm from wow. Helsinki, Finland. <laughs> the correct big, city. Big fancy city. Look at you, big and fancy. Yeah. We are a biweekly podcast focusing mostly on international cinema, and today's episode. We will be talking about the 2017 film *The Unknown Soldier*, or as it's originally titled in Finnish. One of you want to take it? Tuntematon sotilas. I I'm going to try to not butcher <laughs> so many <laughs> things in this episode, <laughs> including the title and the director's name and the actor's names. Don't worry, it's going to be very difficult. <laughs> so this film. I understand that you two have talked about the previous incarnations and adaptations of this story. See, si. This 2017 film, though, you have not discussed. So this will be new territory for us all. Yeah, so maybe we could start with what Tuntematon Sotilas is all about in Finland. We've discussed with like we've discussed so much about this already, but let's go through it for the third time for the people who haven't heard about it. That's uh, yeah, I Zach understand. May, yeah, Zach may need a yeah. leave note to version. Yeah. Actually, let me can I tell you what my impression is? My impression is this story is taught to like every school child. Uh, yeah. in you know like in, in Finland. Basically mandatory reading in Finland school. 
and that this story is probably akin to like the American Civil War and that this is a profound moment in history. Mm. Every student needs to learn about it because this was sort of a turning point for the, the history of the country. Yeah, except it's, it's not, not slavery and cotton. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's uh, one of the most significant moments in Finnish history. Most definitely, and one of the most significant moments in Finnish TV every Independence Day at 10 p.m. or around on the public TV channels that want to air, usually the original 55 version. And there is some unspoken hate campaign, sometimes spoken hate campaign, towards the 85 version. And 2017 is the new boy on the block, so... Don't know how many times that has been seen on TV, but the TV series has been on TV. Now, the questions, because this is shown on, on television. Now, you said it's shown at 10 p.m., so maybe that's different. But it's at least this version, is it's very violent. I also have this impression that violence on television is very much limited on Finnish TV is this sort of an exception that gets made where no no we're going to we're going to sort of let, let everyone see this or is that the reason it's shown at 10 p.m. so that the, the kiddies have gone to bed uh, it actually depends a bit when it's shown on TV i think henry can recall that it's been also in broad daylight well insofar as there is any daylight at that time of year but during like 2 p.m. or 6 p.m. something like that so uh, I don't know if it's a particularly violent film either. Yeah, the original Edwin Law and the Black and White version is not that violent, at least not these days. Uh, it it does have violence, but like Liner didn't use blood effects, so it's very much you know bloodless violence on on screen. Hmm. And if I, if memory serves. Me correctly, it has been shown in in daytime also in in Finnish TV networks. Then again, when it comes to like showing unknown soldier in in Finnish TV during the Independence Day and and the whole tradition, that's an actually an interesting talking point because that's still a relatively recent event or a recent habit of the Finnish television networks. Yeah, but Henrik and Zach, Zach is absolutely correct. This is like the the the, the super holy, the, the most best known Finnish film inside Finland and the best known Finnish novel inside Finland. And there's been these three adaptations of TV series and board games and who knows what the hell else. So it's this kind of even more popular than than Bible, you might say, in a sense. God, there's a board game? Yeah. Yeah, but we with that there there also is the is the strange quality that its legacy is is kind of built at at least in the sense that it, it exists today. Like it the unknown soldier and the story it tells and the the reverence that it has in, in Finnish culture, it didn't exist there originally. It has been kind of manufactured as as time has gone on. Yeah, manipulated even, or it has changed, like serves more the original story at least nowadays. But we can get to all of that. Shall we talk a little bit about Vainolina for the third time? Let's well, do it. Why <laughs> so, Vainolina was the writer of the novel, born in 1920, 
in Urjala, was a lumberjack and lived in Tampere. Also was friends to some degree with Mulberry, who did the second version in 85. Famously, Vanna Linna was a bit against the original 55 version because it didn't completely satisfy his vision of what is in the original novel, the, the strong anti-war sentiments. Whereas the 55 version is almost like a, a nationalist propaganda film, to be wow. completely honest. And well, yeah, yeah, and no, yes, and no, but yeah, Van Linna, yeah, he is most famous for writing the Unknown Soldier and also Tala Pohjan Tähden Alla, also known as Under the North Star. And all uh, both of these have had film adaptations, all right. But let's move on from that, and yeah, well, it, It's yeah, it's interesting that the 1955 version, so the 1955 film version, was um, well. I guess it's arguable; it could be seen as sort of nationalist propaganda. I assume it put the Finns in the light of always doing the right thing and always doing the the right thing for the country and never doing anything wrong. I'm assuming. Well, it's kind of a mixed bag. Like the original 55 version was some kind of a hangoverish version. They were fully aware of what the book was, but they wanted to kind of make it serve their own purposes. And maybe it was the film. Maybe it really was the film that Finland needed at the time because of war trauma, shell shock, and all of that going on. So so people needed some kind of emotional release and have some maybe some meaning for what was all this fighting for. I don't know if that mm. film really answers that, except that that kind of comforting words by the end of the film that yeah Finland came as the as a good second in this little competition I mean that could be we could have an entire other podcast just devoted to a country perhaps tweaking a story to make a country feel better after a traumatic event excellent idea <laughs> but then can then can It it has to be iterated since Zack is here and he's he's new to the whole unknown phenomena. Mm. Um, even though Conry's accusations towards the original film, there will be a lot of that. Hold water. <laughs> they are true, but this is kind kind of ties into the whole concept of the unknown soldier and its later on built up a legacy because. Parts of the the nationalistic side that people see with the Edwin Lyons version, like individual moments mm. that these days are are often seen in in nationalistic light. If I understood correctly, that stems from a level of misunderstandment considering the film. Like they perhaps most infamous scene in in the original one would be the the way when the the moment when the film plays the the finlandia at the very end of the film that's something that today's version also does yeah and i've i've heard this stay and that very much is like <clears throat> you can't get more nationalistic than that but if if what i've understood from the film is true and that's if 
in the original meaning, it was meant in more kind of a sarcastic fashion. So when it comes to today, that film, that moment, and the nationalistic reading that that moment gets in the film, that, once again, if what I've heard is true, then that meaning would be based on misconception. Well, I've heard this thing too, and we discussed this discussed this in the 55 episode, and I voiced it out in some way that, yeah, it was the intention, apparently, that it, that it would have been kind of sarcastic, ironic, having that kind of a feeling by the end of the movie, but that really doesn't come through. We we totally agreed with that. It really doesn't come through. On the no, contrary. No, it, it totally doesn't. And Henrik also pointed out that it, the film is patriotic to a fault. Well, that that may sound strong. I understand what you mean. And I, th- I don't think you are saying that it's completely patriotic. It's It's a funny way of omitting the things that should be there, like seeing more of the bad side of the war, which was the, what the original novels, the whole point was anti-war. You don't really see it. You, you don't, you don't. And, and, and you do get some like really serious, very somber patriotic moments. Like for example, the line that you quoted, mm. that Finland came, came good second. And also that, that there's a, like a lot of, of negative behavior from the Finnish side that is not shown in in the black and white version. Yeah, and I understand that people in '55 weren't really interested in seeing the bad. So that wasn't that that would have been shock on top of a shock. But to to be honest, these things happened there, and the book is talking about those things. So yeah, it, it's omitting. It's trying to be patriotic. It's trying to be happy-go-lucky. It's almost trying to be a rillumare, this kind of old mm-hmm. old Finnish style song and dance. <laughs> Not dancing much, but a little drunken dancing. But mm-hmm. but yeah, that kind of a happy-go-lucky. Yeah, we are in the war and everybody's doing fine. Well, sometimes somebody's in a kind of an off mood when they have their leg blown off. But then we got to the 1985 version, which is by Rauni Mulberry, and he was trying to get closer to the to the essence of the of of the novel, and he did a pretty good job with this mostly handheld, mostly one takeish, one camera, three hour film edition, and then came the 2017 version, which is more. Well, 1985 also kind of aims for the same, the 2017, but maybe the key difference here is 1985 is so mulberry. It's it's trying to be super realism, just having like handheld camera. But unfortunately, it doesn't always work for me. We can talk about that. 2017 is with the kind of 2017 film blockbuster standards edition with the, the values of the novel. So perhaps we can maybe just go around and you know and just give your the, the high points of overall thoughts and then we'll get into some nitty-gritty as we as we go through. Um yeah, sure. Do we want before that to have a little bit of a history showdown again? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll play some stupid music just to lift off the muse. 
So once upon a time, big bad Soviet Union casus belli at Finland's border. In other words, USSR started the aggression verified by historians from both sides of the border. This led to Winter War from 1939 to 1940. The Soviets lost many soldiers, but since they had more soldiers, they were able to steal land from Finland. This is like a child's edition, mind you. Later, big bad Nazis wanted to use Finland and Finland wanted to use Germany. German goals overlapped with Finland's. They were never officially allies, but certainly in many ways de facto were. But Finland wanted their land back that they lost in a winter war, and Germany wanted to conquer St. Petersburg. This war was called the Continuation War. How original. June 1941 to September 1944. Finland didn't want to push further than Petrosabotsk or Petroskoi or Anislinna. Accounts on this may differ. Some in the military held a greater Finland ideology, pushing all the way to de facto Russian territory to Petrosabotsk was largely but not entirely retaliatory. It had strategic importance in case of a Soviet offensive. And Nazis fell and Soviets pushed the border back to where it was when they stole Karelia from Finland. By some miracle, the peace negotiations went so that Finland was allowed to keep its independence. The terms included that Finland must push Nazi Germany out of Finland, and that was the Lapland War from September 1944 to April 1945, and Finland did push the Nazis to the northern Norway. Sorted. Wow. <laughs> and with that out of the way, Zach can finally understand what happens in the movie. <laughs> Oh, it all makes so much more sense now. I know that feeling, man. So you're saying the Finns were the good guys? <laughs> yeah, we're the okay. good guys. We're, we're okay. It's, yeah. it's yeah. coming together now. And we also now. won the war. Don't you forget that one. We also won the war, and we <sighs> did not collaborate. We did not collaborate with the Nazis, except we kind of did. But. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let me just say, as the foreigner, um, uh, this—I mean, there's the, this was definitely a, a learning curve. I was having to learn a lot about history of Finnish history, World War II history that I had not particularly paid attention to, because typically in the states, when we learn about World War II, obviously we learn that Hitler was doing some bad shit in Europe, but we. Uh, famously, the United States was very hands-off, and we did not get involved, and it was not until our hand was forced when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Yeah. And that is the only reason that we really got into it. Uh, and then from there, then yes, we helped the Allied forces, the most famous thing taught in in American schools about World War II, other than Pearl Harbor, because it was such an egregious attack on our own soil. Uh, but the second thing, second biggest thing taught is Normandy, the Battle of Omaha Beach and D-Day. Um, but we never really learned a whole lot about what happened east of Germany. Definitely don't learn anything about the, the Nordic countries and the USSR and their involvement or how things were going on in Africa. Uh, a lot of that gets sort of skipped over in American classrooms. Or at least they were during mine. So I learned a lot uh, sort of reading about this film, reading about the, the Winter War and the Continuation War so that I could better understand 
the film before getting into it. And wow. And that's a really weird thing with basically all the versions of the unknown, but especially with 2017 take that especially the 2017 it's meant for global distribution like the previous movies they, they were very much made for the Finnish audiences but Akulo Uhimi's version it was made to be shown on Amazon Prime and th- this was meant to go global and it it also did yeah. and the story still is told in in such a fashion that you basically if you are not a Finn you have to like do like whole reading about what actually happened in order to understand the movie so this kind of omits to the same like in in global distribution sense in the, the same mistake that the previous two films also did which is that it's very much like the sto- the way how the story unfolds itself it's still very much told for the Finns even though the film itself is meant to go like outside of Finland. I think it probably could have been, I think it is, it is very accessible for, for non-Fins. I think had I not done any research, I would have, I would have gotten the basic plot of what was happening, but I felt like doing my research before I, I felt like I really grasped onto, okay, I know what's happening here. I know who's doing what. I know why they're doing it and where they're going. Question. Uh, when you were watching the film, uh, was there some kind of a opening subtitles or kind of explaining the war in, in very small details? Or? No. The film just begins. Okay, so it's the same version that I have. Right. The The underwater shot. Yeah. But I, I think uh, I felt better having more of a grasp on on what was happening, and think I enjoy, enjoyed the film more because of that. That being said, had I not done any research, I, I think I still would have enjoyed it, and I think I still would have been able to follow along, just maybe not quite to as much depth. Yeah, I guess it's kind of understandable that not many people know about this winter war and continuation war, even though they're quite interesting and I, I think they should be known more more widely even in Europe Europe wide if I would ask like a general Spanish people out, out there what what do they know about the Finnish winter war and continuation war probably nobody would have any idea what you, what I'm talking about so well I tell you what I think films like this are going to help get the word out yeah um yeah. I mean I'll sort of skip to the to the to the main point of my thesis here I think this is the most realistic war movie I've ever seen. Okay. Um, I think that this film should be seen by a lot of people. Um, not only for, hey, here's a little piece of history that is important and you should know. It's a, This is a, ch- a chapter in the book of World War II that is probably not seen by many people and it shouldn't be overlooked. Um, but holy shit, the way it is done is, I mean... I'm, this might be treasonous to say. I think this is better than Saving Private Ryan. Well, that's a that's honestly is a pretty high statement, especially seeing taking into consideration exactly how praised Saving Private Ryan is. Can we also then talk about how much shit this 2017 film also has had inside Finland? Because they always compare them to the old editions, and somehow. 
the 55 is always superior and the best and you can, ne you can never beat it apparently. Uh, which is curious. We already know the 2017 version is, at least it's been said to be the most successful film uh, of of Finnish cinema history, of Finnish films at least. But also the same has been said about the 55 version. And the data is kind of hard to get correct with such of an old film. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think it's very difficult to measure some of those adjectives, but <laughs> it was definitely the most expensive motion picture in Finland, I learned, mm. um, which I found so funny when it was, it was the most expensive motion picture made in Finland for a budget of 7 million euros. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that, that, that's a that's, huge money in Finland. That's the most expensive, like, didn't they spend like $250 making that Marvel film? Like, <laughs> yeah. but you I know, know, I have to remember, remind myself, Finland is a small country. <laughs> yeah. Normally, well, it depends, but there's a lot of the movies that get made in Finland are funded by by Finland, the, the government. They're kind of a really yeah yeah, and in this movie's case, well, clearly there were also other parties involved because otherwise you can't really cover the seven million, I believe. So interesting. So yeah, um, I think it's 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 very realistic. I think it's very well done. You see war for what it is. You see, uh, uh, let me preface this. Uh, I'm not a member of the armed forces. I never have been. I've never been in combat or on a battlefield. But this certainly feels like it's the most realistic to me. Um, Henrik. I can't wait to hear Henrik's thoughts on that. Yeah, Henrik, um, Henrik. But army stories, army stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you see all the death and the despair and the evil and the shit and the pain. But then you see this camaraderie. You see these moments of peace and these moments of beauty and bravery. And I, I don't think that I don't think war is just one of those. I think war has to be all of those. And you see it all in this film. So my, my overall general thoughts, wow, I, I, this is a, a tremendous film and it needs to be seen by more people. Let's, uh, let's go over to Henrik. General thoughts. Yeah. Um, what, what you just said is the sentiment that I've heard repeatedly whenever the 2017 version is, is being talked about. Like these days you kind of run into young people who make the statement that seeing this particular movie made them understand what war is like and how it felt like. Like they didn't have that concept in them or, or that insight or that understanding in, in them before they saw the 2017 Unknown Soldier. And this is like the first time I've actually seen this film. Really? As as treasonous as it is in Finland, but I, I hadn't really checked out Akulohimia's version when it, when it came out. I missed all, all the theater, theater, uh, the whole theater release, and I also didn't like... I haven't bought the, the Blu-ray or the DVD. I, I was in living in Poland, but I was able to... I went to the Finnish theater around Christmas to see it. 
Well, I was, yeah, I was yeah. pretty lucky. I, I, I just skipped all of that. And now I checked it out in from, from the Finnish streaming service for this episode. And now, having seen that, uh, see, seen the film, I kind of understand that sentiment. But at the same time, I'm kind of asking, really? Like, this was the movie that, that like, opened your eyes to what what war is like and i guess i guess that might might very well be if you haven't seen set a number of war movies at least two that that we have already visited in this podcast those would be Marburg's version mm. of the unknown and also come and see yeah but maybe something important to be said there because um somebody Everybody needs to start somewhere, and these do indeed sound like coming from people who don't know too much about war movies or or Finnish war movies, whatever the case. But but that's that's great. That's great if they get that kind of a feeling that that is coming from this movie in particular. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I I guess that is great. Like, of course, it's always po- positive that that you actually understand what war is like. That helps you to understand what the people who had to go go through that war went through and it also helps you to understand never to actually wish that you yourself would have to face a war of any kind but at the same time like that's uh, that's an emotional connection to the movie that i just did not have to that extent but you said that word feel Feel and there's a lot of feel in in this film. When you compare it to the '55 version, which has this, this funny, happy-go-lucky thing that I was saying about, but it, oh, of course, cinematography and storytelling in movies has gone through a lot in 72 years. But but this film really, I feel, really tries to get all the possible emotional depth from these characters from from the original novel without making it look too too silly for its own good uh, not too silly but i did find it on occasion too forced and too shallow i think you might be referring to for example the scene i need to, the 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 vera scene when akuhirvinemes character is crying in front of vera when they are separated right Uh, yeah, actually, actually, you you hit the nail on the head. In okay. fact, to me, it's like, and and I'm not saying like like that movie commits a fault here, but uh, let me put it this way: the film came out, and even though I did not see the movie, I couldn't ex- escape the media media records that went around it, and a lot back then was said about the home front and how the home front now is is a is a feature in the movie and how how it says something and home front this home front the, that and now that finally I I I I didn't check out the TV series so I don't know what happens in that one right but when it comes to the movie itself I must say the home front was much ado about nothing Okay, two things. Um, I think that this film could have gone a little bit further because we we have seen these scenes before. We have 
but we haven't had this much this much emotional depth sure depth sure but maybe this could have been the movie where it would just kind of detach itself a little bit from the original novel because the only thing that as has been pointed out elsewhere as well and i couldn't agree more that the original novel is 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 to it's dragging the film down because I feel that, to be completely honest, to be absolutely brutally honest, as we advertised ourselves before, Vanilina's novel, to me, is, this is sacrilegious, okay, a bit boring, honestly. Uh, you've, the, you've both said something sacrilegious. I'm going to have to call the authorities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder when we're going to be cancelled from the photosphere, or when, when the... Civil war or whatever war is going to start in Finland because we keep talking here. But still, we have been saying a lot of shit, but nobody gives a shit. Anyway, I wish that it it could have just built better arcs for these characters. The novel doesn't allow that. They are just people in a war. They have backgrounds, but there's not really any arc. They are in the field. They are in the front. Then they die in the front or do whatever in the front. And that's just the end. There's no arc, really. Uh, or there's no emotional depth. Yeah, and part of that, and th- this is now something that all of these filmatizations face off, is that the unknown soldier, the novel, it- it's kind of a like unofficial, kind of, but not really sequel to the Under the Northern Star, Tera Pohjan Tähden Alla. Which is the, the magnum opus of, of Linna, where a lot of these characters like get their background and then you get into what happens to them at at the war and that is like the unknown soldier yeah to be pointed out though that unknown soldier came before the underneath the north star but the second point was that that because you missed the tv series you don't know that there was a lot going on between akuhirvinemis character and and the lady vera and of course it is the way that it's cut in the film version is kind of jerky. Like, okay, they visit Vera, and immediately it seems like immediately when they are about to separate from that particular meeting, then Akuhirvinem's character is in tears. But how it goes in the TV series is that they seem to be spending there like several, several days, sometimes together, sometimes on bed, having sex, kissing, and doing all this emotional shit. And after that when they realize that they need to separate, then that's what the tear is for. In the film, it doesn't really make sense in that sense. What about Rokka's wife and, and kids? Are they like in in a major role in, in the TV series? Because they too sure as shit ain't in the film. As far as I could tell, there isn't much difference. Rokka visits home. We see that in the film, right? Rokka yeah. goes back to the front, and then at the end uh, they need to evacuate from Karelia, and it's the same thing. Okay. All right, Kari. General thoughts. Um, there's a lot of honesty about the film, and I feel the performances. Even when I compared to the '55 version again, I I cannot fathom. And I haven't worried it out before somehow. I cannot fathom why in the 1955 version where we actually have these 
war heroes with the biggest dicks Finland will ever see playing these these people who were in the war. You don't get that emotional connection from that, and you don't build, you don't buy their performance. They are mostly horrible performances. Sorry, I'm I'm gonna be super brutally honest here. Now that I've looked at these films again, I again watch this okay with uh, like a double speed when it comes to the 1995 and 1955 because they take ages. Uh, I cannot fathom why they can't deliver. The realism in their feelings is it some kind of a that their brain is is completely shutting down the emotional connection to the war as they are performing those roles so you're saying in the 1955 version they used actual soldiers instead of trained actors well because everybody was in the war basically so mm. so so many of them were in the war that feels like it could have been torturous like, oh, you just went through this really, really terrible, traumatic thing. I'm so sorry. Listen, can you do that again on film, though? Yeah. But yeah, this this honesty, you see the fear, you see more women uh, in this in this version. There was some unbelievable interview. There was some lady, I think Ule, interview, interviewing the director, Akulohimias, and the... I don't know if Henrik saw that interview clip where the lady asks something like, well, yeah, we have more women now in this movie, but not that not that much still, you know. There could have been more more women at the front. Then, then there was an awkward silence and, and the lady was like, but yeah, okay, Aquilohimis, this, this, is, this is how you like to roll with it, okay, yeah. Wait, I don't know where where that was going, but were there know. actually women on the front? Not in the front front, but 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 there were these what we call lottas, these people who women who would be helping the soldiers in in different tasks. Oh, interesting! But not picking up weapons. Yeah, helping to facilitate. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I don't know where where she was going with that. It, yeah, never mind that, but. Honesty, fear, a lot of emotion, women, um, you see the destruction of the war. You have a lot of um, clips from the actual war in the TV series. You get a couple in the in the movie. So I thoroughly enjoy the film. I think it could have pushed its points further and it could have taken a few liberties because this is the third version already. But I'm okay with that. This is the this is the most polished version out of the three for sure. It it has really established characters and does as much as you can within the limits of Dundamaton Sotilas and Sotaromani with it. These two novels. Um, so yeah, there has been some accusations about Americanism in this film. I'm wondering what you think about that because there's been claims that there's Ramboism in the film, so-called Ramboism. When I compare compare these sort of heroic acts from the previous films, yeah, okay, they are more heroic, perhaps. I don't think they are completely brain dead moves that they do in the film. They are heroic and crazy, but Ramboism is it too much emotion? Is it too much that we have deafness simulation in the film? Your thoughts? 
Ramboism is not something I saw in this film. Uh, to me, Rambo and that sort of style is very this sort of overly macho, yeah, ost- ostentatious display of sort of vulgar masculinity and toughness and hero- hero- heroism. Um, I didn't see that here at all. Uh, I thought these were very grounded. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's a nice balance of people being heroic and people also being terrified and yeah. people saying, okay, I, we need to go do this thing. And they don't just, you know, bounce over there like, all right, here we go. Watch me. I'm going to do it. like they're unsure of themselves and they're <laughs> – yeah, Ramboism is the last thing I thought of. Yeah, I wouldn't say Ramboism in, in that sense that Zach just described it, but I can see where the accusation is stemming from because what this film does have – is longer takes on certain scenes. For example, the both of the, the tank destruction scenes were fir- first the one where the Hyatanen destroys the Soviet tank and later on where the moment when Koskela destroys the tank, those actually last longer mm. here than yeah. they did in the previous films. And they are more of a kind of an event that these characters pull off. And Especially the the Hietanen moment, which in the previous films was kind of a, it, it was more quickly over, and in my opinion, it was more more done with the tone that oh this thing just happened, let's move on. Yeah, and in here it's like like this whole event. There was also the moments where I I do kind of see one, once again the argument of Ramboism possibly stemming from which would be the moments when the characters are cleaning the trenches, where you are following, like, two or three guys as they go with grenades and machine guns blazing and just gun down the Soviets. Or the moment when when Rocco and... Who was the other guy? Like, was it Lahtinen? Or who... Uh, when basically the, the Ruskies have drenched them in and the, the two of them just like, like rush the enemy lines. Yeah. Quickly, quickly guns down some Ruskies, steals the bread, takes a bite, let's go. Ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. And like, like those moments, which are very much a thing of the 2017 version. And even though... Once again, it's it's not Ramboism in the way how Zach described it. Like it's it's not oiled muscles and and this like fucking no one can kill me moments. Certainly not. But they once again they they are specific moments where you have individual characters doing these heroic feats, and the movie plays them off as events. And those mo- those type of moments, having heard. Like, like the stories that the veterans tell about about their events, they did happen on occasion. There's a whole crazy history about crazy ass stunts that Finns pulled off during the during the the two wars. Mm-hmm. But so so it's not completely uncalled for. But it is something that the movie calls a special attention to. 
Yeah, apologies to Zach, of course, if Americanism doesn't sound quite right, but that's what people say online, and that's kind of referring, of course, to the fact that we watch a lot of American movies, and there they have these superheroic, un unrealistic scenes. Oh, no, yeah, no, I totally understand the reference and yeah. think that that's a, a worthy uh, adjective for it, Americanism. It's because <laughs> you don't typically see Canadian action stars doing Canadian that kind of ram Rambo shit. So no, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the description. Mm. Um, I was wondering if we could also like, is, is it's good to remember and, or at least to mention to Zach that what you see in the film, they are not actually the craziest antics that Finns pu did pull off, like in real life, during during the, the war, es especially if you start to count in also the winter war. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the war. If you want to really be patriotic about some war, perhaps look rather to the winter, winter war direction, where we still didn't, you know, push forwards with some Nazi help. I was wondering if we could maybe go through and talk about any particular moment or scene or quality that really stuck out to you. Like I said, it's a really polished looking film. Maybe, uh, like I said before, it may be a little bit too polished. It might look a little bit too pretty for its own good when you compare it to Mulberry version. Handheld ultra-realism, let's say. Then again, then again, all, all movies look like that, that this 2017 film looks like as in terms of uh, the the whole framing the the missions and the, the whole presentation so it is what it is and and great great job so yeah no problem i i st when i look at the other versions and i look at how they're framed especially when i look at the 55 version which may not be entirely fair of course sometimes you completely miss some key scenes sort of because you're not paying attention, because they are filmed and framed in a certain way. There might be like a two-shot, a distant two-shot of two guys talking. And then that this would be the, when Rokka is in the trenches with the, what's the other guy's name, the sergeant. And, and Rokka is giving the, giving the whole monologue that I don't give a shit about all these uh, medals and trophies and good words. I just do what I have to do. And in the 2017 version, there's this quite intense close-ups and kind of this confrontation with the guy like uh, don't you try it with me you little boy you totally get that but in the 55 version okay you forget it in an instant so props for 2017 for that hmm. Henrik is there a, a, a scene or a moment or a quality that you wanted to point out not an individual scene Really, I I kinda do appreciate the overall vibe that this this movie has. As much as I I am currently and I'm going to criticize it, but I I do think that when it comes to kind of capturing some type of essence of of war, it does pretty okay job. Kari most likely is going to to demand some type of answer, like how how do you these <laughs> films so some type of hierarchy and when like with that in mind I do have to compare like for example the question which film tackles best how the war 
like how I believe the war is a lot and how it feels like. And is 2017 version the best one in that regard? Not really, no, but it also ain't the worst one. Mm. I think we'll, uh, <laughs> I think we'll have to all watch Steven Spielberg's Lincoln at some point, and then we can get into as as much of American history as we, <laughs> as we're getting into Finn history here. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to point out was there's a scene in the beginning where they're getting ready to to to, to leave, and one of the officers says, "Remember, they're just men like us." And then there's a pause, and I, as an audience member, had this. Oh wow! Like that's so. What a sympathetic way to <laughs> to describe the people you're going to kill. That to remind them that they're also just men. And then he then says the second part, which is, "Lead will kill them." <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know if like that pause between there was so effective to sort of th- you know it sort of gave me whiplash of. Wow, what an interesting thing to say. Oh, no, he's saying something else. But then I wondered if maybe that was intentional of maybe there is a dual meaning there. Yeah. These are these are mere mortals. These are people who are in some ways just like you. Countrymen who left their farms and left their their businesses and all these things to come to war just like you. Um and maybe there was supposed to be a moment of sympathy there. Yeah, at least in this version, I strongly get the feeling that he was trying to say, kind of have something nice. Maybe the the first thought that he was was to finish the sentence in the way that he did, but it almost felt like he was noticing the reaction of his comrades and then decided that, yeah, I have to add this lead part as well. Mm. And then, and then you know, two hours into it, when the, the the soldier comes home and the kid says, what's it like to kill a man? Yeah. And he says, I don't know. I only kill the enemy. And to see the regression <laughs> from, remember, they're, they're men just like us, to, oh, I, no, I, I'm not even going to call them men. They're, they're just the enemy. Yeah, and that's kind of, unfortunately, yeah, that is the mentality that you have to, have to keep in your brain that you're probably able to kill anyone yeah just have to see them as something else than than humans unfortunately to an extent even this third version kind of dehumanizes the russians in a way that we never properly again see them they are always behind the bushes behind the rocks we don't see them we just see some prisoners we see some bodies we see vera but like we don't get the other side. We we see from the Finnish front, and I I understand that in a way, and that's kind of how war movies often go. But it would have been kind of nice to to see also from a different angle to see what's going on on the on the other front there, or the Russian front side. Yeah, I think the portrayal of war is it's very grounded. It's very it's very real. It, uh, there's one of those soldiers at one point says um war is evil no matter who started it um which i had to immediately go right down as a contender for favorite quote when we get to quickies but i mean 
that is also my personal belief, which is another reason I another reason I wanted to write it down um, because it aligns with 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 myself. Um, and to see so many of these people who are so young, so many of them were young, um, and that typically is who goes to war. Sadly, are people who are um, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one. I mean, in some ways, they're they're just boys. <laughs> yeah, and this soldier Hao here that you kind of mentioned there, talking to Rokka about what's it like to kill kill another man or, or the enemy. That Hao here character was played by none other than our Justin Bieber, <laughs> Robin oh. Bakalen. <laughs> Frontside Olien. Okay, if you're into teen pop, then you can go listen to your heart's content. Note to self. <laughs> you know, so um, this is where I'm going to get very nerdy and a little gay for a minute. I, I apologize, Henrik. There is a musical called Miss Saigon, which you ha- if you have not seen, I highly recommend. It is a fantastic musical. But it deals with the Vietnam War. And there is a line from that musical, which the first time I heard it was seared into my brain. Um, because it deals with sort of the same thing. You have very, very young people being shipped off 3,000 miles to a country they don't know to kill people they don't know. Of course, I mean, the Vietnam War is a very different thing than World War II, especially the, the American involvement and the, the the lying that was done by our politicians to get us into it. But there's a line that says, um, one of the women, because there's a lot of prostitutes that the, the American GIs just go and have sex with all the time. And one of the, the women says about these American GIs, they swear like men, they screw like boys. And then later, they kill like men, but they die like boys. And for me, that encapsulates this idea of sending off an 18, 19-year-old to go and do something that is so, so big. You're sending them off to a war where they are trying to go and kill as many as they can. And many people are trying to kill them. And it's such a horrifying thing. Even even in World War II, which you know, by all means, you're fighting fucking Nazis. Which is the epitome of evil. But you have these boys trying to pretend to be men. Trying to act like men. And it's it's so sad. It's It's... Yeah, war is evil. War is evil. Uh, I would love to know what you guys thought about the the moments, because there's a lot of beautiful moments. Sometimes it's little conversations about the stars. Sometimes it's moments of beauty with wildlife. There's these great sort of little pauses where a soldier sees a caterpillar on his hand, or he sees a butterfly. Bunnies. Or you catch yeah. a rabbit. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to know what you guys' thoughts are on those those sort of peaceful moments. Mm, well, especially I remember really well the the, the rabbit scene because that's a great juxtapose. That Rocco has just excused or left left the the headquarters, let's say, and he has been really out angry towards them. And then we get this nice moment of levity with the rabbit, and yeah, I I like that kind of gives the reality or kind of grounds the audience. I did like the nature-esque moments of, of the film. Like, like for example, Zach, the, the caterpillar scene. 
that you mentioned. When it came to like the the more the the, the Dalek scenes, like the looking at the stars and and the whole discussion between creationism and evolution theory that they have. Well, that's that. On on the other hand, those moments they just at this point already they kind of just flew by me because mm. it's it, basically you get the same scenes in in every version of the unknown. So when it comes to that discussion, as an example, I've already seen it twice, and now I see see it for the third time, and. I didn't find like that special something that would edge it into my brain. Yeah, I just think that the way that they were created were maybe the, with the most thought out of these versions. Mm. Even though this film has been also criticized for the lack of vision, that this is just the the same same shit all over again. And I kind of can also see that argument. Like in in the beginning of the episode, you you played the clip that, that where we asked the question like, what is going to be the identity of this film? Yeah. And I guess today we are going to find our own individual answers. And at least for my part, perhaps like let's see where where the discussion is gonna go, but. Perhaps I'm kind of leaning more into, not not super heavily, but a little into the direction this is something that I've already seen. Yeah, to an extent, and it's hard to avoid if you're going to be so close to the source material. But even then, I, yeah, and, it, it, and like I've said in previous episodes, I feel that even though it's heavily taken directly from the novel, the scenes, like you said, they are the goddamn same scenes all over again. And there's more material in the book. Maybe not as interesting, but they are the same scenes, de facto. Yeah, and it, it's not just and an purely a question of basically seeing the same material. But it, in my opinion, it also becomes kind of a question of the movie's identity. I was, I was kind of afraid of this when when we did the previous two versions, that this one will have to be the film that that has that finds itself in the the unceremonious position where it has to fight in order to to form like a strong individual identity. And it's basically or I feel it feel it the way that when it comes to like this film truly succeeding it either either it it becomes true or it fails with that question of exactly how strong of an identity or what type of an identity it manages to carve to itself yeah well, let's say that the, the 55 version is kind of as you said it it's more an adventure film than a war film something that every every film had some kind of a meaning 55 was that adventure film, the, the, the healing project, or... Yeah, that, for the 55 audiences. 85, this uh, realistic edition. And 2017, even though it doesn't do exactly anything mind-blowingly blowing, new, it still does a lot 
right. And I think it does a lot of them better and more polished than the previous ones. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out, too, is that uh, the film doesn't shy away from showing some of the maybe not so nice parts. You know, the fact that yeah. Finland sort of de facto did sort of partner with Nazi Germany. Um, yeah, well, this this whole war, it's quite of a complicated chess move going on here. Oh, very. Yeah, like on one hand... I'm not a historian or anything, but obviously, but it's kind of like this, that we were in between two great powers. You have Germany, Nazi Germany, you have Russia. And at the same time, even though we want our land back, we also kind of had to do that. Like, had we not, it it was basically coming from the Nazis direction that, that, hey, we are in full support of this and please do this. If we had not pushed against the Russians from our side, I'm sure that the Nazi Germany would have been happy to push forwards from our our side anyway, with or without our help, because they needed to kind of approach from two fronts to push Russia back and conquer St. Petersburg. And at the same time, we didn't want to, at least most of us, I'm sure, didn't want to proceed any further than Petrosavodsk, or even not Petrosavodsk. There were claims that Petrosavodsk was, those people who know it might know it, was strategically so important that that quote-unquote kind of needed to be taken in order to secure and keep the Russia at at bay where they do re-attack. Take of that what you will, but we weren't willing to go all the way to St. Petersburg we stopped there and Henrik might be more better with the, with the history here but I understand that there was even the 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 chains of presidency to to kind of to to not follow the agreement that we had with Nazi Germany to push even further it wasn't needed to be followed because we there was a chains of presidency the Mannerheim's presidency it was so obviously a wartime wartime tactic uh, or tactical movement. I'm uh, looking at the list of Finnish presidents over the years, and I just had a moment of, oh, wow, you guys had a female president mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for 12 years. Wow, you guys are so progressive and so, uh, you know, so much further on than America. <laughs> Didn't you watch Conan O'Brien? That was all the craze when our woman president, Tarja Halonen, <laughs> Somehow Conan O'Brien wanted to make her have this second term. And and she did win that. And then Conan O'Brien made it the whole number in his show that he would... He traveled to Finland also in support of Tarja Halonen and did all kinds of goofy things around Finland with the people of Finland. I had no idea. I, I oh do pa- kind of believe that that wasn't a thing for Zach nor North America. It, but but yeah. Finland sure as hell wrote that to get all the way to the end. Yeah. <laughs> I still have the documentary or the Conan O'Brien episode for that if you want it. Was she a good president? Uh, accounts may differ, but I went all right. Oh, I see. She was a, um, the Social Democrat Party. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> um. So I one one last thing I wanted to. To, to add about the idea of it not shying away from 
showing maybe the unpleasant parts. And that has to do with typically men, usually being the ones who are the soldiers, then taking over these cities and then sort of having their way with the women in the mm-hmm. cities. Um, and I, I thought that was, I thought that that was a, a brave step to take to say, yes, we're going to tell this, this story that is very important to, to Finns, but we're, we're not going to just tell you the pretty parts. We're, we're going to show you the, the ugly parts too. And yeah, there were, there were times when, yes, we, we did do things that were not right. Yeah. Yeah. This 2017 film makes it absolutely clear that there were rapes happening in Petrosavots, just downright using the girls. There may have been hints to that direction before, but it's really clear here. And a lot of playing around with women. Yeah. And I kind of applaud the film for that. Yeah, I, I would make the case that the 1895, I was so... Like, these, once again, this this comes essentially down to comparing individual moments and seeing and, and looking at which one has more frames and which one lasts longer. But I, I would say that 1895 also made the point. Yeah, there was at least this uh, this older lady, supposedly a, a hooker, and uh, one soldier was playing with her. Also, I think something that the film does that a lot of other uh, war films don't do is show you when soldiers take leave. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe you see them take leave and they just, you know, maybe go to the next town and, you know, just hang out at a bar and try to just have some normal time, go watch a movie or something. But this one, we see a soldier or the main character take leave and go home and see his wife and his children, um, which I can only imagine could be one of the most invigorating things a soldier can have is to come home and have that connection with his family again, but then also be one of the most terrible things because now you have to turn around and leave them again after a couple of days. Um, and, and maybe that's something that doesn't happen too often in, in war movies, even though it should. You know, given the real pace and timing of how events happen in war, and not like in, I don't know, some, some American random war film where it seems that it's constant advancement or constant pulling back or constant movement, whereas mm-hmm. in, in the front it can take fucking ages whenever mm. anything happens and people sleep people wake up <laughs> people eat there's a lot of this normal life sort of in, in the fronts even yeah to me it, it very much added to the the grueling feeling of it just it just keeps going and it keeps going and you take leave and you go home and you turn around and you have to go back and it, it it felt exhausting. And I think the runtime, I mean, this movie is three hours long. And it, at times, I think it can feel too long. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, I think that's the way it should be. Like, it should feel like it's... <laughs> yeah. There should be moments where it feels like, oh, my gosh, this thing doesn't end. Because, the, well, for the war, I mean, it, it lasted four years or whatever. Just the continuation war, three years. I was just about to ask you, what do you think about the whole, the, the basing or, or the structuring of the film in a sense that it's almost like something out of a new wave uh, cinema of Ho Xiao Shen, where you just start from in the middle of a scene or the middle of an event, and then you kind of end it in the middle of nowhere. 
So there's no clear beginning and an end. It's just a bunch of things happening. Uh, it, it makes it feel very sort of cinema verite for me. Yeah. Um, we're sort of getting a little peeks into into these moments. Um, and I think even the fact that, I mean, there's a main character, but I wouldn't say that the film is strong in, oh, yes, um, here's your three leads, and we're going to follow these three leads, and here's their backstories, and here's what we're sort of following a bunch of people, and then we, we meet new people, and then those people die, and then we meet more people, and then those people die, and uh, that that also was, I think, a, a, a genius structure device to say, yeah, you're not really following a person, I mean, with, other than the main character, you're sort of just following this this time period and this these gr- this group of people, and good luck to all of them because you never know which one's going to get shot next. Yep, I thought it added to the realism. Any final thoughts before we head over into quickies? Oh, do we? Ah, uh, mm, mm. so Henrik, army stories. <sighs> Let's open a can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> Or a can of beer. Okay. <laughs> Maybe one thing that I... Something just popped into my mind about the 1985 Malberg version where there's a lot of... There's a tons of crawling in the film to an extent where it starts to seem hilarious. And I would say that even in the army, it felt that there was too much focus on, on crawling because it doesn't... It seems to be like some invisible wall, like... A, Immediately when you crawl, you're okay. You will never get shot. It'll be just fine. So this this approach to crawling is hilarious. I don't maybe see it as much. In I, the I, I, I don't know. Version. I don't know. It's it, it's the best way of advancement <laughs> in in the field. Right after you know the the knee high position, also known as corpo. Yeah, yeah. It is the best. This has felt that you become invincible as soon as you're on the floor or on the ground. Well, you 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 just you you just had shitty trainers. If if that was your experience, my experience with with growing mass, we were doing this this one exercise. It was in the middle of a summer. It was like five thousand degrees hot. We had all our gears with us, and we were like crawling around the this sand hole, like Sarakuoppa in in Finland, in in Finnish and. And you, you just keep crawling there. The exercise takes God knows how long. And you have like one superior on, on top of the hall. And every time you come, come, to, come near him, he starts to like kick sand in your face. While at the same time yelling that after this one, there's, a, there's, there's the wep- weapon cleanup. And, if, and I will fuck you all in the ass if I find some, even a like tiny dint of sand from your clips. Mm, don't tempt me with a good time. You're uh... yeah, that that that, that kind of really really takes away like that the invincibility aspect from from crawling. I can tell you, but I did find like even even though I I did curse it quite a lot in in that moment, I did kind of like wish that there would have been even more crawling. And once we finally hit to the heavy artillery phase of our training because oh boy if that was not my place all right so let's get into quickies then okay let's do it special mention for an actor 
I'm gonna I'm apologize deeply. I'm gonna butcher this. Ero mm. Aho? Correct answer. Oh my <laughs> Did I say it right? Ero <laughs> Aho, yeah. Ero Aho. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic job. As rock, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it somehow it, it is the rockers who all, always are like the picks for for unknown filmatizations. I suppose so. But oh my god, I really love those two scenes when he's challenging the authority and has t- just captured one of the is it like a Russian general? And then he this is omitted. Is it in the nineteen eighty five or fifty five version? That he turns back and then goes like, oh yeah, and by the way, I'm allowed to have these 14 days off because I captured this guy, Captain. <laughs> and I love that. And that the reaction is the best of all of these three films and the best for performance in this scene by far and wide compared to the other two. Gotcha. So he's also your pick as well, Kari? Yep. Uh, Henrik? Yeah, for me too. Okay, unanimous decision. Uh, if you could bring attention to a smaller role in the film, something you thought worthy of highlighting, uh, I'm going to go with, again, I'm going to butcher it, Aku Hervinami? Hervinami? Yeah, Aku Hervinami. Oh, God, so sorry. Oh, apologies to Finland. Um, there was something about his performance that I thought was so sort of innocent in a way. Something about his face, I just found very almost sweet. <laughs> He's a famous comedian as well. Oh, really? In Finland. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I very much enjoyed him. Yeah. Kari. Well, I'll just go with Emily Lohimies, the son of the director, playing Azumaniemi, this Helsinki city boy, apparently, who asks for some new ammunition and gets shot as he. Isn't crouching <laughs> immediately. That mm. was really stupid of him, but I felt that he brought a lot of character to the later parts of the film. Mm. Henrik? Yeah, I'm going to give this one to Jussi Vatanen, who plays Koskela. Absolutely perfect. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really love his kind of attitude. How it's so laid back. Like, well, yeah, we're just going to do this and... Don't pack too much. Maybe the radio would be nice or the vinyl player will be fine. <laughs> uh, what resonated with you the most or the least? I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna get really nerdy again. It's not as gay as my last reference. It's just a nerdy reference. Have we mentioned Harry Potter on this podcast before? Uh, maybe not. Uh, maybe, <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Um. <laughs> For me, the thing that resonated with me was the uh, realistic depictions of death. Um, I think we see in a lot of films, whether they be action films, war films, or you know whatever it may be, dying is always very dramatic. And there's these like moments, and it's like, don't you go die on me? No, you stay with me. You know, like it's very very dramatic. And people's eyes usually close, which, from my understanding, is not the way it happens. You your your eyelids stay open. And so that really stuck with me, resonated with me, and it reminded me of, spoiler alert for Harry Potter, but the bad guy Voldemort dies at the end, shocker. Um, But he's described as dying as he hit the floor with a mundane finality. And I think that... I think that we tr- we sometimes think that death can be this big dramatic thing, but in fact, 
everyone will eventually just hit the floor with a mundane finality. You just die. There's nothing glamorous. There's nothing dramatic about it. You just die. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> All right, Kari, what resonated with you the most released? Rocca, losing his cool with his superiors. Mm. I think that's been my favorite scene in all of these renditions. Nice. Henrik? To me, it was just overall the, the kind of effective attitude or effective atmosphere that this film indeed have. Mm. Uh, I agree, because in fact, in one adjective, how would you describe the film? I put atmospheric. Uh, I put Finnish. <laughs> I put tough. You said tough? Nice. Yep. Favorite quote? I'm going to go with when they're all sitting around eating the canned, I don't know if it was canned tuna or what it was. But the guy opened it up and someone says, that's forbidden. <laughs> and he says, so is killing. And then they just all start eating. Yeah, I started checking if I have been selecting the same ones throughout these episodes, but no, I think every time something different. So now it's going to be Suomen sotilas vastaa kymmentä ryssää. Kyllä kai, mutta mitä sitten kun tulee se yhdestoista? So in other words, uh, Finnish oh. soldier is yeah. equals 10 Ruskies, Russians. Yeah, I guess so, but what then when there's the 11th? Mm, that is very good. Henrik? And I actually draw a complete blank here, especially seeing how <laughs> this is this is the third time with the exact same dialogue. So basically it has like we, we have already go with gone through with a calm wise. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, do you think this film will have any staying power or legacy? I one hundred percent think it will. Kari. No, most definitely people will be comparing in Finland these three versions until the end of times. And yeah, yeah, I think it's a great movie. Henrik? It will, even though, well, we are in the quickies. I have to come back to this question in in the longer answers. But yes, it, it will have a legacy and it does have a staying power. Then again, this is a filmatization of The Unknown Soldier and this is not the ni- 1985 version. Mm. Complete the sentence. You really know you're watching the 2017 Unknown Soldier when... Kari? Uh, you really know you're watching Unknown Soldier in 2017 again when you open the television on December 6th at 10 p.m. <laughs> Henrik? You really know you're watching The Unknown Soldier and especially this version when... All the ratatatata perkele is not that funny, nor that drunk. Perkele! Perkele! There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. And and the Petroskoi scene in Molberg's version is, is famous for the fact that Molberg had all the actors acting drunk. Or they were really drunk and they were acting. Yeah, by the way, this Sergeant Major... or. What's the character doing doing the whole Perkele? Props for that actor. Love it. <laughs> All right, and now we're gonna wrap everything up with the million dollar questions. Oh so, wait. So, so we have to Oh here we go. <laughs> the million dollar questions we pose to everyone. Those are did you like the film? 
Would you watch the film again? And would you recommend the film to others? I'll start us off and say, I loved the film. I will be watching the film again. In fact, I'm probably going to watch it again right after this. And I would 100% recommend this film to others, especially if they are interested in this part of World War II or Finnish history um, or a film depicting war in a a more atmospheric, realistic way. Kari, the million-dollar questions to you, sir. I would watch the film again, most definitely. Not immediately. Seen this renditions version so many times lately, but absolutely would watch. But not every Independence Day. Would I recommend the 2017 version? Yeah. Like, I think it's, like I said, the most polished, maybe in good and bad, out of all three versions. Allow me to explain. So, it may have this super pretty look, which may not always be favorable to it. It's a stylistic choice, as much as Smallberg's Blair Witch Soldier, as I like to now call it. Well, kind of lame, I guess, but it's a lot of one-take-ish and can seem a little outdated by today's standards. But uh, Lohimies, he understands the character building and giving the characters whatever arc, and he's able to pull off within the limits of the novel. So it's been said, but I'll say it again, it suffers from following Vanilinna all the time. It could have been given more artistic freedoms. But I genuinely like and enjoy this film. It tries its very best to have emotional capacity and impact without becoming silly. Uh, a little about, about Molberg, maybe, because my appreciation for this one has gone down quite a bit. Uh, it's like find the lost Mola tape on the battlefield for one cam footage of a three-hour scene where the camera is, is, is an extension of Mollberg's ego, almost. And the acting at points is not quite there. And in the end, it, it, the Major tries to gain the control of the escaping soldiers by, I don't know, whispering. That's one of the low points of the film performance-wise. So... Don't know what was going on. Likewise, um, the whole fuss about the 55 version, I don't understand it so much anymore. It's not so well shot. It establishes bases quite terribly. It's a mess to follow in a tonal sense. It's often badly acted, largely manipulative propaganda to kind of give the little stroke on the head of the Finns who are suffering from the effects of the war and yeah okay understand that but you miss a lot of important stuff because the film is not building into anything stuff just happens 2017 version you remember when the bridge blows up you feel it i didn't even recall that there's a bridge explosion in 55 but yeah it's there just kind of like okay just happened whatever it's just blink and you miss it and the sloppy performances from the people who actually were in the war. It's almost absurd. Not to use a lot of big words or... I don't want to sound hurtful, but... (sighs) Brutally honest, guys. Brutally honest. All right. 
And finally, Henrik, good sir. Um, did I like the film? Uh, yeah, I I did like the movie, but that's the word I use. Like, like you said, you said that you loved it. I didn't. I liked it. Uh, will I watch it again? Yeah, I will at some date. And would I recommend the film to others? Kinda depends. Kinda depends. Um, this is kind of me retracing back to a lot of like, like previously asked questions and basically statements that were left open previously on this episode. I would say that this, is, when it comes to Unknown Soldier, this is the one that is most easily... This is the easiest version to offer to basically non-Finns. And this very much wants to be the Unknown Soldier that has the global reach. And when it comes to global reach, this this has it the most. Then again, and from that end, yeah, it has a legacy. Then again, will, will it have a legacy inside of Finland? It does, but not as as strong, perhaps as it, as it will have with you, Zach, or or other non-Finnish audiences of the movie. In Finland, I would say that this one will be overshadowed by the 1955 version, which is more of a institution as a movie in inside of Finland. This is kind of like legacy-wise in Finland. It It falls in the middle. It has less of a legacy than than Edwin Line version, but because this is more easily approachable by young Finns and those who don't really have the patience nor the care to actually go and watch a black and white movie, this most likely will be the one that they will carry over. Like the teens of today will remember this one because they won't be checking the 1955 version and they most likely will not be familiar or even know about the 1985 version and when it comes to the like overall quality to the film yeah from all all the filmatizations this is the easiest to the eye this is also once again to harken back to the whole notion that this is meant for the outside markets also it is also the most hollywood-esque when it comes to its cinematography and when it comes to all all together into like the quality of the film Marburg didn't give a shit he aimed for the 100% authenticity in in the set or in the feeling of the movie which meant that you know the camera equipment might you might actually notice that in a scene in some frames so he was completely okay with you know his film not looking the sleekest and at the same time you know he he did get his extras drunk for the Petroskoi scene so that they would really be drunk because in his his opinion that feud into the realism and that that's something that for better or the, or for worst you don't get in in the two, uh, 2017 version but that leads into the question that i i hinted at earlier which is the question of identity and i was afraid that this might happen and it's it's an unfair situation for for Akulohimi's version of the film 
but it unfortunately it at least in my opinion it does kind of land in the middle like as it's already already said the Edwin Lyons 1955 version that's like the the Kelly's Heroes Adventure Time at the Front movie and then you have like the the Malberg version which tries to be this aims to be this this ultra realistic ultra heavy ultra under your skin kind of apocalypse now take on the material and then you have like Akulohimies here and the playing field yeah it's it's like 10 miles long so it's kind of like like you would have to be a fucking miracle worker not to land in the middle of of the two previous versions but that's exactly where Akulohimies in the end finds himself landing he's he's more on yeah. he's closer to Malberg than he is to line but he still is in the between of those two yeah go ahead Kari. yeah i'm just wondering because it seems like it's gonna be like a battle of Malberg and lohimies am i kind of correct well well let's put it this it way. is when it when it comes to asking for the identity of the movie like yeah. identity wise yeah Lohimies fights against Malberg yeah well, uh, but when it comes to like my preference with the film like to put them in the order oh my order would be 1985 1955 2017 wow yeah even though that is totally fine if you do it like that but it is there like a hint of nostalgia or you just can't drop the 55 to the last position let's say for the sake of an argument because it is the first one and it has this nostalgic feeling towards you is that the reason what do you think is kind of driving you what is driving me is the fact that i just really like the 1955 version like when it comes to the criticism of that film When it comes to, like, blaming it for being overly patriotic, is it guilty of that? Yeah, it is. Mm. Uh, are the actors the best you can get? No, no, they ain't. And it, it, does it take perhaps too jovial attitude with the material, seeing that it's still depicting a real war? Yeah, yeah, it does. Like, guilty on all three fronts. With that being said... I'm willing to forgive it the the nationalistic attitude for the time period that it came out. Like once again, it's it's in in my opinion it's it's two different things to point out a thing in the film. To, to say that this film has nationalistic attitudes in it than it is to say that this film is bad for it. I'm full I and I'm fully willing to to point out the, the problematic attitudes in the 1955 version and call it off from for for its nationalistic and patriotic tendencies, but at the same time I'm also willing to forgive it that because it was I, I do believe that that was the take that Finland needed at the time. When it comes to the the acting, while, yeah, not the best acting you can get, e- even in your, your Finnish movies, like, 
when it comes to the cast as a whole, I do take that 2017 as a whole has a better cast. But then again, I there are like roles, there are performances that I absolutely do love in the 1955 version. Like for example, I really do like love 1955 Rocka. I do really love 1955 Koskela. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the jovial attitude that the film has, I also really kind of do like that. Like once again, it's not a war movie. It's more of more of an ad- adventure movie that happens just happens to happen on the front, but as an adventure movie, I really do like it. And because of that, I'm like willing to give 1955 version like its spot on the spectrum when it comes to the the whole identity thing. And that's kind of kind of one of the things that I do find that the 2017 version is is uh, finds playing against itself because I'm still kind of looking for like like the special individual identity with the 2017. I understand. And in in many ways I I do think that also when it comes to when it comes to like like dealing with the material it also like finds it with that identity that it's looking for itself it also finds itself kind of in the middle when it comes to the attitudes that the film wants to portray. Like this is not nearly as as funny and as like devil may care as as the, the 1955 version but this also is not in my opinion as serious and as gritty as was the 80, 1985 version like to to give some examples all the versions like the, 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 there's the moonshine moment and 1955 version shows you the the whole the, 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 there's the the kind of funny boys will be boys moment in that film when they when when the movie shows you how how they steal the pot and and then they get drunk from from the, from the shine and then there's like the next day hangover when when Koskela comes to the the chef and starts begging for for a, like a like a piece of salty fish just to help himself with with the hangover you don't get those those moments in the 19 uh, with the 2017 version but you do get the moonshine scene itself and the moonshine scene in my opinion is not as as heavy or as dark as it was with 1985 Or then there is the the whole Finland was allied with the with Nazis thing, which does not show up in in 1955, but uh, and does show up in 2017 with the archival footage of of Hitler's visit to Finland. But in my opinion, is not as heavy as that one officer doing the Heil Hitler salute in 1985. Okay, so. It, it it is it is tougher and it is harder than than 1955, but not as hard as 1985. So, and I I kind of find it in the middle ground, kind of constantly. And then there are the the 
moments that where, where I see that it it is now these are the moments that it that it uses to say that it's different from the two previous versions and it's doing something different and biggest example of this to me is the whole home front which as I already mentioned I didn't really feel feel for that in in here and I was kind of I I do really feel that that was much ado about nothing like I get what what those moments are doing like I technically wise I get what they are aiming at they they want to show you that that these soldier, soldiers do have homes and families and parents and and wives and kids and they get to come home at the moment and they they have to leave their homes yet again and return back to the front yeah yeah you you, you are stating that you you are showing that but i never actually like felt that the film truly answered why are you so showing that why are you sh- why are you saying that and you too you and Zach, you pointed out that that's something that you don't typically see in war movies and and fair enough yeah that's that's a fair point and in that way yeah there is a point on for for this film to have the, have the whole home front but at the same time it's not something that would be completely like alien idea to you when you think about war like once again to harken back to the whole notion that this is supposed to be the movie that taught the younger generation the teens of today to understand what the war was like to go through for these show for these soldiers and the home front is supposed to play a big part here because now it now it shows you that yeah that the soldiers did have families they have parents they had to leave their homes to go to the front and if if you really are like feel that that's something that you didn't understand previously that you need this movie to teach you that i kind of have to ask from you how in the hell was that possible like that was already kind of that, that that was supposed to be like given to you that was supposed to be plain as the day to you even before you checked out the unknown soldier and because of that i never actually felt that there was really truly a need to have the home front present in this film when it was handled the way how it was handled at least in the movie where it's just you know a couple of scenes that that just show you okay now they get to ho- go home oh no mm. now they are leaving once again yeah oh no now Koskela is hugging hugging his mom and then he dies before he ca- gets to come home again but it's those couple that's of my, scenes. That's my rant, you can... Yeah, but it's those couple of minutes, those, those small moments and and look in the eye that give it just that much extra when you have a little bit more of the emotional gravity of the of the situation. My main problem... But I, yeah. I, on, my, I on my end, I didn't feel that. Fair enough. But my main problem with the 1985 is that... It's very one-tone-ish. It may be realistic, but even the characters that were funny and gave this levity and these comedic moments in 1955-2017, they are absent in 1985. Even if you have 
what's the guy's name who is laughing at the Russians who are using the megaphone to give some propaganda messages. That's just like five seconds of him giggling and that's all there is in humor in that film. So it's a bit, it's, I don't know if I should call it realistic. There's not much emotionally, just a doom and gloom. And, but I'm positively surprised and it's something to be said about 2017 because it's already the third film as said many times that it's still able to evoke such such joy from me, from those performances. I'm gonna feel that movie all over again and, and realize what kind of, how much you can change the scenes, give them value by carefully planning them out, as seen here. You remember a lot of moments from this movie. They're beautifully set. And also that it has, well, 1985 for its defense it has this moment in the small little village not even really a village it's just a just a hut somewhere or a shack and the guy says that he's Inkerin Suomalainen and Inkeri Finnish so we got this minority aspect there in 2017 TV version uh, you have the Nazi soldiers with the Finns one of them is asking for cigarettes in in German It's just for like a couple of seconds, but it's it's a nice touch to have that versatility. So, to finish this rambling, my order of films would thus be 2017, 1985, and 1955. The Flick Lab podcast, or on Twitter at The Flick Lab. You can also find us at theflicklab.com. Give us a rating over on Apple Podcasts. It helps others like yourself find us. Uh, we also have a Patreon. You can head over to patreon.com slash theflicklab to support us over there. Lots of great content and opportunities. And So yeah, uh, you can also find me on Twitter, ZacharyPen48, over on Linktree slash ZacharyPen. Kari, where can people find you? Well, people can find me on Twitter as Kari Oyala, and people can actually write to me as soon as Twitter figures what the fuck they are doing to my account, because at the moment I can't write or tweet or do anything with it, because I'm doing some suspicious behavior with my own Twitter account. <sighs> suspicious. But yeah, on Patreon, nevertheless, you can hear the newest episodes there several days in advance before anyone else. Yes. And I just dropped the Halloween 1978 bonus episode there, so that is only for Patreons forever, so go check that out. Oh my gosh, it was my audition. I was very, very scared. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 was, it was not the shining, shining moment for any of us. <laughs> it, it was pretty begrudging. Like, oh God, again, episode 15 about Halloween. <laughs> All right, and uh, I assume we can find Henrik um, in an alley somewhere, or maybe in your... You you can't f- find me doing the military refresher, because when I left the army, I left it with such of a bad terms with my higher-ups that I won't be called back. Mm. <laughs> mm. I, Henrik, hyvä itsenäisyyspäivää for the third time in this podcast. Happy Independence Day. Thanks, you too, man. Happy Independence Day, Fens. <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you. We are so glad that you are independent. Yeah. Yeah, we are too. It kicks ass. And I can't wait to visit your country. <laughs> Independence is great. Um, yeah, our theme music was created by Nick Graval, and this episode was edited by our very own Gario Yala. In our next episode of the Flick Lab, it will be a very special episode because it will be our holiday episode, and we will be each going through our favorite Christmas films or winter films or holiday films. May the Lord be with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rare exports from my side. It's 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 going to be the rollout of all of the classics. Oh yeah, and a great American classic of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's a fabulously joyous film. <laughs> all right, that is all for us. Yeah, time to throw the lab coats onto the Independence Day candles and start a house fire. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, waiting, wait, waiting for for you know Christmas means sauna acts and your family. Yeah, but hey, guys, I'm ready to go have sex with the wolves in Inari. So, should we proceed? I'm jealous. <laughs> All right, send us out, Kari. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's all. Well, did we let's, have something? Let's no. Let's see you in a fortnight. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> See you in a fortnight. On, oh, see you then. Later. Later.